It's time to eat. What are you hungry for? Sit down and get ready to consume an abundance of fantasy football knowledge from Ross Tucker and Joe Dolan. Eat me now! I'm starving! On the Fantasy Feast Eating Podcast. Yeah, let's eat, baby! It is the Fantasy Feast Eating Podcast, and it is presented by FantasyPoints.com. Use that code FEAST, all caps. You already know why. So you get to go against me and Joe in our next Best Ball 10 draft. I love best ball. Many are calling me the king of best ball. And by many, I mean me. I'm Ross Tucker at Ross Tucker NFL, former NFL offensive lineman, five teams, seven years. Now I got five podcasts including this bad boy with my guy, Joe Dolan, from FantasyPoints.com. Make sure you're checking out Joe on social media. He's at FG underscore Dolan. I've said it before. Some of you maybe not didn't hear, you didn't care. We're on YouTube now, baby. We, you can watch us. You can see what Joe wears. Joe usually is dressed up in all kinds of Fantasy Points hats and T-shirts. He's a pure shill for his new business, and gosh darn it, I respect the crap out of it. That's exactly what you should be doing in life if you have a public platform and you're trying to start a new business from scratch. So God bless you, Joe, for doing that every week. I'm at Ross Tucker NFL, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, but really you should be following at Ross Tucker Pod on Twitter and Instagram right now because our intern, intern Casey, is I mean, she's taken us from like a two to a nine on social media and on our YouTube page. Even just like from the different shows, the Ross Tucker Football Podcast with Greg Cosell yesterday, or even Money Podcast where we got a surprise, very surprise NFL MVP bet yesterday. You can check out the social media clips from all of those shows on our YouTube page, youtube.com slash Ross Tucker NFL, one of our lists, our playlist there, is just the highlights, just the social clip. So you can check out, see what we look like, and see some of the best parts of the other shows that maybe you don't listen to on a regular basis. And maybe you're not a social media person. So maybe you just want to go to youtube.com slash Ross Tucker NFL. Very excited for today's guest. We'll get to him in a couple minutes. Brad Ziegler, long time. Major League Baseball pitcher who is evidently a fantasy football rock star. His Twitter is at Brad Ziegler. It literally says, my bench, you know, like the alligator greater than your starters for fantasy football. Best ball like me per se, but he's already got a little bit of confidence in his fantasy football ability. So we will get to that momentarily. Uh, first of all, I want to bring on my guy, Joe Dolan. Uh, Joe, great to see you. Is that a fantasy points hat? It is. You are. You're, you're shilling out. I love it. It's the way it should be. I will say that you guys did a really good job with your logo. Really good job. Oh, I appreciate that, Ross. Uh, it's actually embarrassing how long that took. <laughs> like, you, you see, you think it's just like a little thing, but it, it like it. we talked about it for months and it went through like multiple iterations this one was actually one of the first ones we did and we kept trying to see if we could we could uh improve it but um it reminds some people of the uh the ball that 
uh, the Pokemon trainer the guy throws. Um, but other than that, I think it's really kind of attractive, to be completely honest with you. But thank you, Ross. I appreciate that. I think it's awesome. It's it's like hot. It's fire. You know what? Mm-hmm. I think that the people that are trying to get into our best ball draft, today's two winners, Jeffrey McIntyre and Eric Feldhake, come on down. So that's six out of the ten that will participate in our end of July, early August best ball ten draft. Jeffrey McIntyre, Eric Feldhake. I gave you guys the, the answer to the test last week. You go to fantasypoints.com, sign up, use the code FEAST. Then what you do is take advantage of any of our other sponsors at rostucker.com or that you hear me say, even, for example, like the DraftKings uh, app using the code Ross. I think Ross is uh, having a, a little bit of a a little bit of a connection problem here. He was so excited about FantasyPoints.com that his internet blew up. So uh, I think I'm going to take it from here, and I'm going to introduce Brad Ziegler, former MLB pitcher, uh, current fantasy football expert. He's been into fantasy for a long ass time. Uh, Brad, uh, you and I, uh, we we got together uh, at John Hansen's house uh, talking fantasy. You and Tom Candiotti one night. We had a blast since then. We've been in touch uh, consistently. Glad to bring you on. How are you doing? Ross is uh, Ross is out in the clouds somewhere. So uh, I guess you and I are going to have to take this. That's fine. I, and I totally understand. I, I, when I've seen the content on FantasyPoints.com, I totally understand why it would mess the internet up. Like I, I it's I'm amazing. Your servers haven't shut down yet uh, because there should be a massive amount of traffic there. But no, I appreciate appreciate you having me on. It's it's a lot of fun, and um, I love doing fantasy football. I you know, people always ask me why fantasy football, you play baseball for so long. And, and I always said, you know, from, from a baseball perspective, if you play fantasy baseball while you're a player, it's considered gambling on the sport. They can ban you for life. So, but you can play fantasy football, you can play basketball, whatever. So I hadn't played fantasy baseball for 20 plus years whenever I retired. And it was like, okay, well now I could, I theoretically could play fantasy baseball, but I don't know anything about it. Like when I was studying scouting reports on hitters, Batting average, stolen bases, home runs, and RBIs was never on there. Right. Like that's that's not what you look at. And so I would be starting from scratch, and I was like, "No, I've won a bunch of fantasy football leagues. I think I'll I'll try to go that route." And um, just had to had to kind of bide my time a little bit, convince some people that I knew what I was talking about, and and then fortunately I was able to to get into this realm, and it, it's a lot of fun. So uh, first and foremost, before we get into to like what you're doing now and everything. Um, Let's let's there's 25 guys in a baseball clubhouse. I think that's that's a pretty well established fact. What percentage of them do you think play fantasy football? Uh, 80 or so. Wow. Um, and, and honestly, the majority of guys who don't there, there are a few American players who don't. And the majority of guys who don't are from Latin America. And um, they just they when you say football to them, they think of soccer. And right. and so but that being said, a couple of the. You know, Miguel Rojas um, in the the Marlins locker room is one of the best fantasy players that I came across in the game, and it's I mean it, it was just it's just a testament to how much he loved the clubhouse camaraderie because that's why he got into it. He wanted to be part of it if the team was, um, and so he learned and he like he knew nothing about it when he got into it, and he always partnered up with Dustin Lupker, who was the Marlins head athletic trainer, um, and and when he when he got going. All of a sudden, he became the guy who was negotiating trades in the locker room. Whenever he found one he liked, then he would take it to Dustin. 
and so and, and kind of get final approval. So so it, it can it can definitely happen. But yeah, there's there's a lot of I mean, there's very few. I can't even know. I don't even know if I can name um, any American players who don't play offhand because they just it's just rabid. Once August hits in the locker room, it's all about when's the draft, where's the draft going to be. Um, you know, and, and guys are talking about trades with draft slots and all this stuff. And, and it's, you know, it's a, it's a big, uh, team building thing, you know, in, in the last couple months of the season, when you've already been through a pretty big grind for six months. What, why is it so big, Brad? Why is it such a big deal? I mean, I've, I've heard it's like, all you guys do is play baseball and fantasy <laughs> football. Uh, I I'm telling you in August and September, once the draft has happened, nothing is talked about. Even in the dugout during games, they are talking about fantasy football. You got the starting pitchers who are are not pitching that night, and yeah, they're paying attention to the game. But like when we're hitting and they don't have anything really to watch, they're sitting there like working a trade, like trying to figure it out. Guys in the bullpen are working trades. It it's just something that brings the team together. And and I mentioned you know like when you get when you report in early February, and then you hit August, and and you've already been going at it for six months, and you're it's just a grind. It's it's every single day. I mean, you get about twenty days off that whole six month. Um, you never get holidays off. You never get weekends off, and you're just going, going, going. Then all of a sudden, it's like, hey, here's a breath of fresh air in the locker room, like something different. Football's going again, and you know, it, it just it's it's just a way to bring everybody together. When you know, you may have had some locker room skirmishes, and and you know, guys that are kind of yin-yanging with each other because they're just kind of sick of being around each other. And and then all of a sudden you have this other thing that that injects some life into the locker room. And and I I was never in a locker room in 12 seasons in the big leagues or 11 seasons in the big leagues. I was never in a locker room that, that wasn't rabid about fantasy football toward the end of the season. That is awesome. Uh, uh, Brad, I'm going to snitch on you for a little bit, by the way. Oh, boy. Uh, I'm going to – you're no longer in the big leagues, right? So, uh, I mean, I don't think your, your your manager can get mad at you. But when you were with the hey. Red Sox, um, I remember um, I, was, I was sitting down watching a Red Sox playoff game. And I got a text. My phone buzzed. And it was from you. <laughs> and it was a, something fantasy related. I don't remember what it was. I was like – aren't you in a playoff game? And you're like, yeah, but I'm a reliever. So yeah, I'm like not it, playing right now. So even, yeah. So, you know, once, once I got probably five, six years into my career, there were a lot of times I didn't go down to the bullpen until about the fifth, sixth inning of a game. And I would spend, especially after I had knee surgery in 2014, I would spend a big chunk of the beginning of the game, getting a massage, getting a hot tub, like trying do things to get my knee ready. And then later in my career, make sure my back was loosened up. Cause I, you know, once I started getting old, that went too. And, but, but when, you know, I will say in fairness in the playoffs, I went down in the third inning because it's, it's a little different. They still wanted me to have my routine. It might've been early in the game. It was early in the game. Um, And I, I was obviously watching, but like the, the one thing that people um, didn't grasp sometimes as a reliever, because you can't sit there and just be locked into the game for nine innings with no, no other distractions. Because if that happens, when you actually go to warm up in the eighth inning of a game, you're exhausted, mentally exhausted. And then you have to like turn it on. And it's easier to to just kind of chill for four or five innings, then kind of flip that switch. Okay, where were we at in their lineup? You know, what's the score? If it's looking like a game, I might be warming up to go pitch in. What's the the area of the lineup where they might go to use me? They like to use me. I was a, a submariner, so they used me against a lot of right-handed hitters. So I I tried not to 
pay a whole lot of attention to the game early in the game because it allowed me to be more focused later in the game. And, and I don't know, maybe I've got a little form of ADD and, and need to, um, (laughs) needed to, to do something to take my mind off of it for a while. But, but yeah, that's probably fair. I, it wouldn't surprise me if, if I did that multiple times, um, you know, like fourth, fifth inning of a game, shoot Joe or, or Tom a text and be like, Hey guys, what do you think about this trade? And, and, you know, I, I'm much more into the dynasty side of fantasy and they helped me a whole lot with the seasonal side. And so, because that's, you know, year to year is, is a lot tougher to predict than the long term. Like I, I feel like I've got a pretty good handle on what players are good and who I want on my roster, but when I'm talking about weekly matchups and, you know, rest of season schedule, these guys are way better at it than I am. So, Brad, I got a couple of questions for you uh, about baseball. I, I just have to ask before we get back into the fantasy football stuff. You mentioned the submarine guy, submarine delivery. So I'm always fascinated by those dudes. And people that don't know, that's you throw it like below your waist. Um, number one, how, how does that even happen? Like. No, like, how do you how do you start that? And secondly, you mentioned a bunch of injuries, but you didn't mention your arm. <laughs> All right, so so when I I got to AAA as an overhand pitcher, but even when I was an overhand pitcher, I still would kind of drop down occasionally and just you know whip a slider, sidearm, something like that. It started in wiffle ball. Um, in in growing up in middle school and high school, watching John Smoltz pitch, and I'm like, oh, I want to try to. I was always the Braves lineup and um, just, you know, they were on TBS. Like they were, they were my team. Dave Justice was my favorite player. So I would try to mimic their batting stances as we went through the lineup. And then John Smoltz was always the pitcher that I was. And he always changed arm angles. And I was like, so I, I had a pretty good feel for it. Then the A's asked me at one point, they said, look, like you're 86 to 91. You're basically like every other minor league pitcher out there this is something that might separate you a little bit, potentially get you to the big leagues faster and and potentially help you stick a little bit once you get there. And I was resistant at first, but, but after a while I was like, you know what, they're willing to to teach this to me and make that investment. I'll, I'll give it a shot. And, and uh, you know, obviously it it worked out for the better. So um, now when you talk about the arm injury, everybody always assumes submarine pitching is easier on your arm. And I think that that notion comes from um, fast pitch softball pitchers because they can basically, pitch every single day. And I would completely disagree with that notion because I, I basically had the same arm slot that I had when I was an overhand pitcher, I would just bend at the waist. And, and so it actually put more strain on my hips, my back and my front knee, my landing knee. And that's why those were the things that, um, you know, cause I'm, I'm torquing and throwing as hard as I can, but bent over at a 45 degree angle and the body's just not meant to do that. Yeah, that's crazy, man. I want to ask you um, about, you know, obviously this is a fantasy football show, but we also I also have an even money sports betting podcast. All right. So I want to get your thoughts on a 60 game baseball season and and who that favors. And before you dive into that, I should mention that right now, my boys over at DraftKings, America's top rated sports book. They have a return to baseball promotion. DraftKings Sportsbook is celebrating the return of baseball. You put a $25 bet on who will be crown champion, and they'll give you a $25 free bet on opening day. So you put $25 on my Phillies, Joe's Phillies or somebody else, and then they'll give you another $25 
for opening day, which is awesome. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code ROSS when you sign up. For a limited time, all new users can get a sign-up bonus up to $1,000. DraftKings Sportsbook has a sign-up bonus, $1,000. That's crazy right now. Just enter code ROSS when you sign up, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or PA only. Bonus comprised of a first deposit bonus and a first bet match, each up to $500. Deposit bonus requires 25 times playthrough. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Why can't the Indiana people just call 1-800-GAMBLER? I have no idea. But anyway, it doesn't matter. What matters is that Brad Ziegler, 11 years in the majors, is going to tell us where to put those $25, Brad. Go. <laughs> uh, all right. I'm not going to name a specific team, but I will say I, I think the shortened season favors teams with good bullpens. And and the primary, obviously, you need a little bit of starting pitching, but in, in a short season, everybody's got that. You know, right now there's, you know, virtually no injuries. I saw DeGrom had a little bit of a strain. That's probably pretty minor. Um, but – you think about just think about the way baseball is played in August and September going into the playoffs. Starting pitchers' leashes get way shorter. They 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 get a lead after five. They're going to the bullpen, and so the teams that have those those deep bullpens with the power arms, I think they're they are the favorites. Anybody can score runs in a short amount of span. A lot of teams can have a really good two month span during the season, but you I think. You know, the teams with the stars, the teams you expect to be there are most likely the ones that are going to be there because um, they're, they have built, built a team to win in October, which is a different style of baseball than what's played in April and, and May usually. So they, they will use that style from the get-go. And I, so the fine teams with, with strong starting pitching and good bullpens, and I think that's who is going to be around come October and, and you know, into November if it goes that far. Okay, so then the follow-up to that, before I hand off back to Joe, is your philosophy on baseball in the shortened season? Do you have a philosophy on football coming off of no off season when it comes to fantasy, whether that's redraft or season long? A, a little bit. The the hardest part for me, and you would know this better than me, but when you when you talk about, it's one thing to sit in a classroom and do the Zoom calls like they've been doing and and reading a playbook, but it's totally different for first year players when they've never seen the speed that the NFL plays at, and when you get out on the field with pads on for the first time and you see how fast literally every single guy on the field is compared to what you were dealing with in college, everything changes at that point, and and without those reps. My, my 2020 philosophy, as much as I love some of the players coming in this draft class, but in my season-long leagues, I have no rookies. I'm not taking a single rookie anywhere because I don't know if they're going to pick it up quickly. We're not seeing the, you know, mini camp reps and, and seeing who's, who's out there you know, getting, getting extra reps because they're playing well or who's getting kind of shoved to the back of the line. I'm really nervous about all these these guys that are not getting this on-field time right now. And so I I just, especially at, at, at I mean, I'm a Chiefs fan. I love Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. When they drafted him, I was like, oh, you know, you cannot have a bigger wheels-up sign for a running back than, than going to Kansas City and playing for Andy Reid. And in a dynasty league, I take him as my 101. In a 2020 league, he's being drafted in the second round, and there is no way I'm spending a second-round pick on a guy that might theoretically be a backup for for a half or two-thirds of the season or or relegated to a third down role 
Um, Jonathan Taylor, the same way. I love Jonathan Taylor. I love DeAndre Swift. I love J.K. Dobbins. The, the top of this running back class was elite. And I'm not sure I can trust any of them this year because I just don't know what they're going to look like when they actually get out there and things start moving a lot faster than, than what they did for them in college. Let's take um, let's take the angle, Brad, and and widen it and go back. As a professional athlete, um, you're you're very very uh, close to being removed from the game. How do you feel in general about coming back and playing? Because like we're doing a fantasy football podcast here. Look, we have to talk fantasy. It's what we do. There uh, there is an element maybe to whistling past the graveyard doing it, but. Um, from from your perspective, you're a former professional athlete who's now in the fantasy industry. What is what can you give uh, in terms of your thoughts on returning to play in this environment anyway? Um, I I honestly, from a player's perspective, I don't fault a senior single player who opts out, um, whether they are high risk or not. If they're high risk, I you know I understand that's even on on another level. But the guys who are doing it for family reasons, you don't know what their family's risk might be. And yes, they're, you know, you take a Buster Posey. He may, he was very public about his uh, adoption of premature twins and um, there, there are health risks for them. He doesn't want to take that risk. Posey's it's a little easier decision for him because he's made over a hundred million dollars in his career. Like this year's not vital. It's the guys who are still making league minimum that it's like, gosh, they fought for so long to get to this point. And then you have these risks associated that you never, you know, imagined, you know, when you're growing up playing baseball, you never imagined this was a choice you'd have to make. I don't fault them one bit for doing it. I, I know, like I have asthma. Um, It's not the worst case of asthma in the world, but I have dealt with it my whole life since second grade. I am pretty sure that had I still been playing, my wife would have been begging me not to play. And that would have been so hard to do. And granted, I probably would have acquiesced and said like, look, my, I will never put baseball in front of my family. Um, that's why I retired in the first place. I needed more time with my family and kids. And and to think about potentially doing something that would put them at risk, but you know, put um, to to put even myself at risk, I would have to just have a hundred percent confidence in the medical side of things and the way the testing and and the safety precautions being put in place. And right now with what you've seen publicly, I don't know that you can say that anybody's got full confidence in it. And there is a little apprehension and nervousness with it. So I, I think um, I, I don't blame those guys one bit for not playing and, and wanting things to get tightened up a little bit. They tried to throw this together really quickly. And, you know, in a couple weeks span before, you know, they're playing next week. That's next week's the first week of games. And I don't think uh, they've got everything tightened up yet. And, and so I, I understand any apprehension and nervousness with players. Um, but hopefully, hopefully it will they can get going. And once they get going, I think it'll kind of settle in a little bit. And people just – People are craving sports right now. There will be people watching baseball games who are not baseball fans just because it's some kind of live sports that's not in Korea where it's you know going on in the middle of the night and you have to stay up at three in the morning to watch games. They're going to want to watch it in prime time like they, they normally do or day games in Chicago. And it's, it's going to be pretty soon you're going to get used to the fact that there's no fans there. They're piping in crowd noise. And that's just the, the nature of the game in 2020. Speaking, by the way, of making sure things are tightened up, I don't know if you guys are familiar with ExpressVPN. It's a virtual private network. So like if you're traveling or whatever, I'm just telling you right now, first of all, it's awesome because your net service provider right now can see every website you go to. I know some of the websites you go to, Joe. 
with this express VPN, <laughs> they can't see it. They can't see what websites you go to. Plus, you can change your virtual private network wherever you want it to be, which might help in terms of watching Netflix or Disney Plus or maybe even some sports. Protect your online activity today with the VPN rated number one by CNET and Wired. Visit my exclusive link, expressvpn.com slash feast. You get an extra three months free on a one-year package. That's expressvpn.com slash feast. Expressvpn.com slash feast to learn more. I always get a little nervous when they want you to spell out a word like express. Like, are you sure you want somebody to be your customer if they can't spell express? That's a whole other story for another day. Uh, you're a huge Chiefs fan, Brad. We were starting, we were talking before the show started. So I feel like when you get to Joe's level, you, I know Joe is an Eagles fan and Penn State and whatever, but you're a diehard Chiefs fan. Do you, can, do you, are you able to be a hundred percent objective when you're drafting or does the tie go to the Chiefs guy? I mean, like if you're in the second <laughs> round, are you thinking Kelsey? Are you, you know, do you, do you find yourself getting more Chiefs than you otherwise would? Or do you look at it and be like, dude, they're, they're kind of awesome. They got a lot of awesome fantasy guys. Like I should get them. So I try not to be biased for the Chiefs for my team. Cause I don't want to, I mean, I don't want to end up with five Chiefs on my team. It'll be good a lot of weeks, but there'll be a lot of zeros too, because it's, you just kind of never know who's going to be that guy. Cause they spread the ball around so much where it hurts me. I, I think where my bias comes in is I am anti the rest of the AFC West. So I don't have Broncos Raiders or chargers on my team because I don't want to root for those guys. I want them all to lose. I like, so I just, I'm like, you know what? That's where the tiebreaker comes in. It's like, Oh, I, I can do, you know, um, Amari Cooper or DJ Shark. Well, I'm going to go DJ Shark because I, I don't, well, and when that was when Amari Cooper was on the Raiders, but that's, you know, just that kind of philosophy. I was like, you know what? I don't want Raiders. You look at my dynasty teams, literally zero Raiders, zero Chargers and zero Broncos. Cause I just, I can't root for those guys at any week. I, I had Cortland Sutton. I drafted him one time because he was far and away the best rookie available when I took him. And I traded him before the season started because I, I was like, I'm not going into a, a game where I'm pulling for this guy. Brad, so let's uh, let's get into your, your background now with fantasy football. How did you get into the industry? Like, I knew this was a natural thing for you. This is, a, this is an interest of yours. But what actually got you into the industry? So I, I am good buddies with Craig Mish, uh, primarily from my mm. time in Miami. Um, so he, he got me hooked in with FNTSY to start. And so I, I was doing actually doing a fantasy baseball uh, draft up in New York City where I was analyzing this draft as the, as the picks popped up on a website uh, for FNTSY Radio. I then, through that draft, the next day met Jake Seeley in person. And Jake was like, dude, you got to come on my all in podcast and stuff. Well, then shortly after that, it was within a month after that, or, or two months after that, he got the job with the athletic. And when he got the job with the athletic, then I he was like, hey, I want to have you on as my my co host. Um, I'll you know, I'm going to talk to Derek Van Riper, who had just gotten the job running the athletics podcast stuff. He he uh, through their conversations, they Jake convinced them to hire me and and you know, here I am two years later still doing it. I, I think um, that that time has about run its course, it sounds like. Uh, but in the short term, like I've, I've really enjoyed it and I'm, I'm looking for, for the next thing. And um, it's it's been a lot of fun. Like there, there's a lot of changes going on everywhere uh, economically right now. Um, you know, it's, it's been kind of a crazy time in in the world. And so they 
Um, I totally understand decisions that that they've made and, and I'm, you know, but I, Jake was never pushing me away. Jake wanted, still wants to have me on the all in podcast. So, um, you know, we, we've had a, a good relationship and, um, you know, honestly, John, John Hansen had me on a whole lot on, on his XM show. Um, and, and so there's, there's just been enough exposure here and there to where I feel like I at least have a name that people have heard of beyond baseball and, and have proven that I at least, you know, have a, a semblance of knowing what I'm talking about when, with fantasy football. Well, let's be the judge of that here, Brad. Give me a, uh, give me one thing that you feel really passionate about for this season can be a player, can be a team other than the chiefs, but <laughs> that, that, that is, is kind of contrary to maybe what you're hearing elsewhere. Someone that you're really high on, or a team you're really high on that others aren't, or vice versa. Okay, so I'll, I'll give you a a guy who's like a fourth, fifth, sixth round. I mentioned him earlier, but I think he has a shot to be a legit top five or six receiver this year, and that's DJ Shark. I think he has all the tools. He exploded last year in a quarterback mess. They lost Nick Foles in the middle of week one. They tried to bring Foles back after his collarbone thing, then they went back to Minshew, and Minshew wasn't great. He was decent, but he wasn't great, and Shark still put up a big year. I think he's like, he looks when I watch him play and I realize this is a massive comparison, but he looks like Randy Moss to me. And I don't, I don't know that he can go in and dominate cornerbacks the way Moss did, but I, I could see him putting up a 1300, 1400 yard season with double digit touchdowns and, and creeping into that top, top five or six in the, um, in the wide receiver realm. The late round guy that literally he's going almost undrafted. I don't, I, I got him in like the 19th round of the Scott Fishbowl that I think could could end up having a really solid like wide receiver three years, Muhammad Sanu. And he was hurt almost his whole time after he got traded over to New England last year. He had the one really big game, a second week there. He had like 13 catches um, and and went off. Well, now Cam Newton's there. And, and whether it's Cam Newton or Jarrett Stidham, they're going to need a reliable pass catcher. Edelman has is, is got the slot man. But outside, I think Sanu is going to actually end up with a – I could see him having like a 75-80 catch year. And just because there's not really a whole lot of competition there, I, I I'm not a Nikhil Harry fan um, for this year, and and I I don't see there's not a whole lot there in the running game that scares me with taking um, you know taking a lot of looks away. I think they're going to be playing from behind a lot more than they have the last 20 years. Um, so I think there's a decent chance that that Sanu ends up with a lot of uh, high volume catches, and I'm he's a guy I'm grabbing in the last round of almost every draft. I literally just drafted Muhammad Sanu in the Scott Fishbowl. <laughs> so like, I got him. What what round did you get him in? Um... Um, let me look here and see. I've got Sanu in the 16th round at the 16-17 turn. So. Okay. So I got him. Let's see. I got him in the 18th. So, yeah, that's, yeah. that's, that's exactly I'm, where. I may have overdrafted him. Like, <laughs> I, don't, like I, I could have probably got him in the 20th. But I, I just didn't want to, you know, when you're drafting at the turn, I didn't want to let him get you know, have a chance where 22 more picks went by before I had a shot at him again. Well, the thing about Cam Newton is he raises the ceiling for that entire offense. So, like, I've now become, like, the Patriots are one of those teams. Every year you have a team, um, and and not to say you ignore a team, but every year there's two or three teams you just don't want to draft anybody. And the Patriots were one of those teams for me uh, until they signed Cam. And now I look at my Scott Fishbowl roster, Brad, and I ended up with uh, – I ended up with with uh, James White, Damian Harris, and Muhammad Sanu on that team. Um, Damian Harris, by the way, has been one of my favorite picks in the late rounds. Sony Michelle coming off an injury. They could run the ball a ton. 
Um, don't think that'll change with uh, with with uh, Cam at quarterback. As a matter of fact, they might run it more with him. So they're a team that I just um, I, I, I've started drafting more. I don't know what your feelings are on the Patriots, but I think it's probably worth talking about right now. Yeah, and I, I definitely think um, all their guys have moved up in my ranking since he went there just because of the there's just a massive amount of upside there. I mean, we haven't seen him play in a year, so you know we hope he's healthy. I think they're they're fully confident he's healthy or they wouldn't have signed him. Um, but at the same time, like it, it's, it has to be better than the unknown of Jarrett Stidham, where we at least have a feeling Cam can make plays that other quarterbacks can't. And he always has because he's bigger and faster than most other quarterbacks and he's really hard to game plan against. And so, um, I, I think, um, I think you're right. I think you elevate all the Patriots a little bit and, and, you know, if they go and trade for, OJ Howard or David Njoku or somebody along those lines where they actually get a legit tight end in there too, um, then even more so because, you know, he he's favored the tight end a whole lot in his career when he had a good one. You got to check him out on Twitter. I'm telling you, first of all, awesome guy. Second of all, I love the submarine uh, delivery there. I just think it's awesome. Thirdly, I think it's cool. I, I got to be honest with you. I love that baseball players love fantasy football so much. <laughs> I joke, Brad, that I'm not a big baseball guy, but I like sitting in the stands with a hot dog and a beer and and, and having something to watch when you guys are out there. Um, so I, I'm into that. Check him out on Twitter, at Brad Ziegler. This guy is about to be a big name in fantasy football analysis. I'll take him over. I'll take him over Joe right now. I'll take him over Joe right now. <laughs> I'll say that much right now. Um, love it. Brad, thank you so much for coming on the show. Really appreciate it. My pleasure. Thanks for having me on, Ross and, and Joe. It's good to see you all again. Yep. You can see what Brad looks like in this whole interview on our YouTube page, youtube.com slash Ross Tucker NFL. Make sure you check out Greg Cosell, the Fantasy Point star, yesterday on the Ross Tucker Football Podcast and Andrew Brandt with all of the franchise tag deadline stuff tomorrow. Other than that, I am stuffed. We're finished. Thanks for listening to the Fantasy Feast podcast. Make sure to also subscribe to the Ross Tucker football podcast, Even Money, Business of Sports, and the College Draft. All available at Apple Podcasts, RossTucker.com, or wherever podcasts can be found.